Now I sound like I'm on a radio show. This is nice. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get into my eyes of the dragon mode. Uh, <laughs> Gosh. I spent so much time thinking about sound, I forgot to think of a, a setup to your intro. Where, um, oh, we can do it more collaboratively. Where, uh, where do you think the princess would be that's like, what's happening right now that's like awkward, that, that it would be a bad time to start hearing a, an ancient dead woman talking to you? Maybe you have some boring thing you have to do as part of your official duties. Maybe a delegation from another kingdom is visiting right now, and she and all the prince princes and princesses along with the king and queen are kind of like in this like procession to like receive this other delegation of like other you know royalty from a different kingdom and she she's particularly nervous because um like her um her squire basically um who's been kind of been her retainer for like since she was like a like a little girl um and has kind of been you know, giving her advice has been telling her lately that she needs to get married and to keep her eyes peeled. Mm. So she's she's always nervous around other royalty, um, especially because uh, she herself is not very confident in her position as a royal person either. So she's usually already pretty nervous, and now it's like even worse. Yes, this is Lady Mora Porgelaine, your yeah. lady in waiting slash squire, and. Uh, uh, she comes running up out of the crowd. You, you guys are sort of in a receiving line to 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 uh, uh, get up near the king and queen. And um, this uh, this one delegation from some far off country is talking to them at the moment. And Moira comes running up, and she looks frantic, and she has uh, a sort of a knitting bag in her hands, which doesn't look very regal or whatever given the the circumstances the peasantry is all out like there's banners and all kinds of things uh the weather's pretty bad it's overcast there's a a little orchestra playing farther up the line towards the king and queen and uh it just sounds terrible apparently <laughs> they were up late drinking and reveling with the with the foreigners and they're just putting in a piss poor performance you know the queen's going to be angry Sean is like squeaking her ear with her pinky. <laughs> <laughs> Moira comes running up to you and uh, you realize she's pulling a knitting needle out of her bag. And that's strange. What are you going to do? Shauna's kind of got like her, her uh, hands like poised in front of her, like in a very formal stance with like, she has like, she has like a long dress on with like big puffy sleeves that like conceal her hands at the front. Uh, so she's just going to bring him up a little slightly, almost to look like almost up to her own face to look um, just a little more uh, like she's being modest or also but also like on guard. But she's not going to say anything. Moira slides up between two of the the other local lesser ladies that, that they tend to stick you in line with. And she leans in and she says, Princess. You must come quickly. I can't explain. There's no time. So Shauna's going to kind of like ignore her. She's trying really hard to like look 
um, stately and, you know, kind of just look official. And she's trying really hard to, you know, impress the people that are like in her procession. So she's doing her best to ignore her. And she's just, she kind of looks away. You see auntie Christine looking, uh, uh, she's about 50 feet away across a, a few groups of people and she's the queen's sister and she's looking right at you. And she's like, she's giving you the stink eye. And, uh, <laughs> and Moira pretends to like pull out her knitting and you see straight down in there is, um, some kind of glowing stone and you recognize it as one of the legendary symbols of St. Jessica of Stroud. It's like, um, how do I describe it? It's like a, a sort of a cage of, of, uh, gold and iron kind of a, or more like steel. And it, it's supposed to house the, the spirit of female, like, pride and and strength or whatever and it's always just empty there's never been any glow or anything inside it but you you've seen it in your dreams and supposedly as she died her amulet filled up with this light and all the women that that saw her and that touched her that day were were filled with the the peace and strength of of uh diamond the the god of the realm so Shauna, her eyes like widen. She's super surprised. She has, she's amazed that this is actually happening. Um, but she also just saw um, the the queen sisters like the anti stink eye, and so she <laughs> she she raises her hands uh, up even further to kind of have her sleeves like cover her mouth, and she's like uh, she's like obviously blushing now, and her face is really really red, and she leans slightly over to Moira, and she's like. Where did you get that? How did that happen? I don't know. I went to to uh, get my knitting bag, and I saw you had left it on the the dresser, and it was glowing. I I thought you'd want to see it. I don't oh, know what it you means. My dresser. <laughs> it's like that's where I keep my my most private things. I mean, you told me you you see it in your dreams. I thought maybe you it would say something to you. And then suddenly, as you see your brother uh, Gerald. Walking, he he's left Christine's side and is walking towards you. He's this big giant warrior with red hair, mm-hmm. and he's giving you kind of a quizzical stink eye. Like he loves you, he's nice to you. Like you're both misfit outcasts or whatever, just because of your birth. And he he treats you pretty well, but he's giving you this look like, are you seriously fucking with our our image right now? Like, <laughs> get this lady in waiting out of here. Yeah. So um, she. Like, she really wants to talk to Moira, but, she, like, as soon as she sees Gerald give her that look, she kind of clears her throat. She's like, mm-hmm. and then she kind of kicks Moira in the shin, and then she goes back into, like, a very, um, like, a proper stance and just, you know, looks straight forward and just starts and completely ignores Moira again. Nice. Moira drops to her knees with the with the bag between her knees, and she, like, puts one knee down and, like, puts her... Uh, her left fist up to her forehead mm-hmm. to honor your brother as he as he strolls up and he's in like his half armor like just looking all strapping and handsome and shit Moira's had a crush on him for years and so she's overdoing it just a little bit Shauna's eyes are kind of glowing too she she really idolizes her like brothers all of them yeah 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 so uh <laughs> <laughs> he comes by and he's like um 
Lady Portulane, you may rise. And then he, he giggles a little bit, and then he leans in close to you, and he's like, what the hell are you doing? Get her out of here. And uh, Shana, she's, she's stuttering a little bit. She's like, yeah, yeah, yes, brother, immediately. And then she grabs Moira, like, by the sleeves, like, by the back of her sleeves, and just, like, hauls her out of there. And she, she quickly steps out, like, um, like with okay, a I'm, lot of Moira's speed. Yeah. the perfect lady in waiting. She yeah. instantly knows you're trying to get rid of her. So she stands up straight, and she, like takes your hands with one of hers and she slides the amulet into your hand. She, she makes it look a lot more graceful than, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shana she's like, managed. it's yeah. like a, a Houdini or something like yeah. nobody would have known. She passed something to you and she like nods her head very like quickly. And she's like, uh, pardon me, Prince princess. Uh, uh, I, I'm so sorry to have troubled you, uh, and held up the line. And then she starts to take off and she gives you this look like this is serious. Yeah. And Shauna's kind of thinking in her mind, like, ooh, I kind of feel bad for kicking her in the shin, but. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you're starting to think about, like, how you feel bad about her, and then you hear this clear as day voice in your head. Daughter. And it's Jessica. You've heard her voice in your dreams, but never awake. Uh, Shauna kind of, like, gasps a little, and I think it's, like, an audible gas. So it kind of, it kind of, like, interrupts the procession a little bit too and then she she's like super embarrassed and she covers her covers her mouth like with both her hands again and kind of ducks low to kind of try to like keep a low profile nice so your brother to cover for you uh starts immediately like schmoozing the two uh kind of homely princesses from a far off kingdom that are behind you and he starts uh telling them a story about some fashion or something or other, some horse, who knows, whatever bullshit <laughs> that nobles are into. And uh, you realize he's giving you cover to compose yourself. And the line has started to move a little faster now. So now, like, Shana, she's never had this experience before hearing the voice um, while she's awake. Um, so she's really, really concerned now. So she's going to, um, she thinks she really has to step out now. So she, she starts, like, uh, holding her stomach and pretending like she's sick. And then she's going to slowly excuse her, her herself out. And she's basically going, stepping every step on her. She says sorry like 50 times for every step. And apologizes profusely to all the uh, neighbor kingdoms, people and the princess, especially the ones that she was trying to impress for maybe a marriage proposal that's like totally going down the drain now. <laughs> and so she's super embarrassed, but she knows she has to do this. So she's walking and just sweating and just apologizing. It's just a mess. Now, where are you going? Out of this, like, uh, out of this procession to go somewhere private. To okay, like so this is kind herself. of a covered receiving area outside the Great Hall. Yeah, There's so a, she's trying uh, to get out, of, get out of the Great Hall. Like, there's maybe some go covered back to her kind room. of bathroomy type tent situation pretty yeah. close by. Then there's the all the kitchen preparations and stuff, and then there's the Great Hall. Those are probably the closest places from here so i think she's gonna make a line straight for like the closest private bathroom okay nice yeah. so you start headed that way and then you see that uh sister bardine has broken away from the back of the line so sister bardine is a uh, very stern woman uh she's got a heart of gold uh but she's very pretty dogmatic about the religion um she's a, a good nun but secretly you and Mora also know that she's one of the Jessicari. 
and she has been training you in all the forbidden arts of warfare and such. Over the years, she's taught you easy dismount tricks uh, when, when riding into battle. Um, you know, she's, she's uh, introduced you to uh, an archery expert and like so on and so forth. Like every so often throughout your upbringing, she'd just kind of nudge you into becoming a better swordsman and, and all of that. She like taught her how to like disarm a person when you don't have a sword and all this, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Fun yeah. So yeah. she's sort of like your surrogate mom basically. Cause your, your mom, uh, can't be seen at court basically. I mean, she's not, your mom wasn't exactly a prostitute, but just like one step up. And uh, so Shauna's never met her mom too. Oh, oh, okay. So, so yeah, so she's basically your mom. The queen is really sweet and nice to you and doesn't treat you like an appalling uh, progeny of some awful deed or whatever. It's not like game of Thrones like that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, but, but her, but Shauna's mom was sent away after she gave birth to Shauna. Gotcha. As, okay. As it was kind of a deal. Um, cause she, she, Shauna's mom appe- appealed to the King to let her live in the castle and the King was remorseful. So he let it happen, but then she had to leave. So, Nice. Never met her mom. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's yeah. cool. That gives us a little mystery. Yeah. So your mom might even still be alive. Maybe. Interesting. So Sister Bardine is sort of your the closest thing you have to a mom, mm-hmm. and you have this way of communicating, kind of almost telepathically with each other, just with your eyes and stuff. And and mm-hmm. you know she instantly knows something's going on, and it's got something to do with the Jessicari. And so she's making her way towards you, like, you know, waving and like shaking people's hands and smiling and nodding and all this. Uh, but she's slowly working her way towards you. I kind of pause a little bit. Uh, I know I was making a way towards the restroom, but mm-hmm. I see her. And so I try to I stop uh, to wait and to let her get close so we can whisper to each other. Nice. So as uh as you kind of stop near kind of halfway towards the bathroom tent, um, these two workmen sort of stumble their way either way around you. And you're sort of trying to keep an eye on them and the bathroom tent and sister Bardeen. And then boom, Tobin Stodd runs right into you and he's carrying a pot. Apparently he was helping one of the, one of the cooks. Maybe he's uh, trying to date one of them. You're not sure. (laughs) And he's got this pot full of stew and the lid starts to wobble um i'm gonna have you do a athletics flip okay so yeah i try to catch the stew for token nice okay so that'll be uh your agility is four your athletics is four and then you get an extra one for being fully healthy mm-hmm. Oh, and I didn't tell uh, the listeners already know this but for you when you get down to a third of your max hit points, then you're what's called injured. And so you don't get that extra card, but you're good. So, Mm -hmm. so it'll be nine flips. So I'll flip for you. Anything from a 10 to an ACE is a success. So I'll tell you. So you have one, two, 
a joker. <laughs> jokers are bad. <laughs> yeah. So, and the fun thing about jokers is uh, it could do something crazy right then and there, or I can kind of hold it back. I can't remember what they call it in in uh, the apocalypse games, but there's something about where you ho- it's like a hold or or whatever. Yeah. It's like you can throw the wrench in later. Yeah. So let's see. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So that's one, two, three successes and a joker. So <laughs> three successes is pretty overwhelming. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you you swivel, you kind of dodge around, you're kind of looking from him to the stew to Sister Bardeen to the workers. And to the bathroom tent, you're you're somehow everywhere and nowhere all at once. It's so smooth, and you help him get the the stew back together, and it settles back down nicely on top. And then he steps on your foot, and it hurts <laughs> like a bitch. <laughs> oh, and and when we flip cards, uh, I'll set these aside. So when uh when we get into the regular game, you'll just know that um. Uh, any cards you flip, you set aside, and then once all your cards are up, then we reshuffle and go again. But that's how uh, that ensures that you'll definitely come across the Joker sooner or later, and and all that. Um, so Tobin steps on my foot, mm-hmm. and it hurts, and then I kick up, um, and just like <laughs> gut reaction, and then it <laughs> trips him, and then all the work that was just done and making sure that it's soothing, it just spills everywhere. It goes all over Tobin's head. It goes all over my dress. Like, and it's a very, very, like a, like a, like a, like fancy elaborate dress. And, and the stew just goes all over. Oh my goodness. Okay. So his foot comes down. It starts to hurt you. You instinctively kick up. You get him in the side of the knee. He wobbles. The stew pot goes up. The lid goes flying up. You both, immediately expect it to be all over you you're crying out and then sister bardine is there boom hand under the pot other hand on the lid boom pops it down kicks him in the butt he keeps moving (laughs) she puts an arm around your shoulder and grabs your hand with hers and walks you towards the bathroom tent (laughs) and uh she's still smiling at people like like oh you know just 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 and it, normal yeah, and everyday business. Just looking at at Shauna and just like shaking their heads and tisking and just like, okay. That Meanwhile, is, Tobin's walking backwards yeah. with the the pot and he's looking at both of you like you're miraculous warriors. He he's just yeah. he's and just to- Tobin's also apologizing on my behalf, which he does all the time as <laughs> my retainer. Right. Wait, who's apologizing on your behalf? Tobin. Oh okay. <laughs> yeah, like like he now he's like actively as as uh the lady walks off like he's like actively apologizing and you know trying to save me a little face because nice. his his fate is always tied to mine <laughs> being my squire so he's trying so, his uh, best. Uh, Sister Bardeen says uh, thank you, Mister Stodd, and then uh, walks you right past the bathroom tents uh, towards the 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 outdoor kitchens where all the stew pots and everything's going, fires raging. People running all over the place, shouting out orders and things. And she just keeps walking you, and you realize she's taking you towards the keep, um, leaving the whole parade grounds entirely. Yeah, so as, as they exit the procession and get into more of, like, the chaos of, like, um, like the masses and the people, like, preparing stuff, uh, Sean, she, she, like, sighs. She's like, oh, finally, I like, got away from that unbearing noise of 
you know, of silence into that. As like the loud noises increases, she feels more and more comfortable. Nice. Yeah. So as you guys uh, finally uh, reach a shadow where none of the workers can see you, Sister Bardeen puts her uh, puts one hand on your shoulder and kind of leans you up against the wall and then opens her hand that was around yours and the, the amulet is glowing and she says, daughter, Jessica is calling you. Shana's a little timid and she, she kind of goes, um, what, what, what do I do? I've, I've never seen this before. You've had the dreams though. You've spoken to Jessica on many occasions. And Shana's like, yeah, but I was asleep. I don't have to make decisions when I'm asleep. I don't know what I'm supposed to do now. Shana, we've gone over this. You are a lucid dreamer. You have learned much from Jessica. Your training would never have approached anything what you've achieved without her counsel. You are one of us. I was hoping that your training could continue for another year or two at least. But your time has come. The world needs you. I'm too old. Jessica has chosen you. You. So Shana, she kind of nods her head, like, and gulps, and, you know, nervously, but also solemnly. And she says, Sister, I, I, I don't know how to thank you for everything you've taught me. Uh, uh, um. And she just kind of keeps stuttering. Enough of that business. Hurry. We're running out of time. And she, uh, she leads you to a, a, a bend in the, right outside the, where the corridor goes to the, the living quarters and all that stuff. And she bangs her, her little stick on one of the stones outside that entrance. And the entrance starts to slide to one side. And you realize that like the whole outer wall of, this, of the keep right here where it, it kind of bows out is sort of morphing into itself so that somebody walking by might think you're just going through the ordinary same old door to get into the keep, but it's actually this whole new opening into this alcove. And instead of the regular heavy-duty door with the big iron, uh, those kind of arrow-shaped things, whatever those are called that hold the door together, Mm -hmm. uh, instead of that kind of reddish wood it's this simple, just brown, plain little door, and it's got a, a dirty brass knob. And she hands the amulet back to you, and she says, I can't go with you on this one. I'm sorry, daughter. You have to do this alone. So she timidly says again, yes, sister. And then she kind of, furls her brow, gets like a little more determined resolve and just makes her step one at a time towards uh, towards the entrance, holding the amulet and both her, clasping it like tightly in both her hands. Okay, right as you reach for the knob, she turns you around once more and just stares in your face and, and she's starting to cry and she hugs you. Yeah, Shauna, Shauna squeezes her back like really tightly. She says, Shauna... I know not what will come. It may already be too late for us. But I know that this mission, it means more than just what will happen to our our royal family. It means more than what will happen to our land or our sky. This is something 
larger than anything I could have imagined. I fear for you, but I also know that there is no one better prepared than you to meet this challenge. Good luck. And then she takes off. <laughs> yeah, so um, Shana was like about to say something because she's so feel, filled with emotion, but she couldn't get it out before uh, <laughs> she took off. Okay, and you realize yeah. that the pocket of your dress is uh, a little heavier mm-hmm. as if like sh- maybe she slipped something in there. Mm-hmm. In your pocket. Yeah, Shana reaches into the pocket to see what it is. You see it, Sister Bardeen's dagger. It was the first thing oh. she ever trained you to fight with. It's just a short, stubby, kind of no frills, no nonsense dagger. So she sees it, and like she doesn't even have to look at it. When she reaches into her pocket, she can feel it, and she knows exactly what it is. Nice. And like she, she tears up. Nice. She starts crying. Yeah. All right. So the you turn back around, and the door has opened, and it's just kind of sliding open. And you hear a, a kind of an angelic-type choir going on through the door. She kind of like wipes the tears off her cheeks and just steps forward with resolve. Okay, you find yourself at the top of a landing. Dark, uh, some, some torches are lit maybe every 30 steps down the staircase into the darkness. And that's all I see? Yep, just this narrow staircase headed down into the depths. And I'm still, I'm, yeah, I'm still in my like uh, procession dress, so I kind of... Mm-hmm. You know, like grab the grab the ends a little bit so they don't I don't trip over them and slowly make my way down the stairs. Cool. All right. So the door closes behind you with a chunk, and then you see it kind of morphing. Like I don't know if you ever saw Return to Oz, but like the way the stones kind of morph and cover up the door or whatever, it's like that. Yeah, I haven't uh, seen it, but I can ooh, it's spooky. It. Yeah. <laughs> Something spooky. A, I get you feel it. a chill yeah. wind uh, kind of swirl up and down the stairs, and you you hear that kind of little angelic choir. It's almost like a four or five nuns singing together quietly all the way at the bottom of the stairs. Uh, I keep going. Cool. All right. Well, as you get to the bottom of the stairs, the, the voices are a little bit louder, and you recognize it as a, a really old hymn. Like, it, it must be... 200 years old or something. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's from back in the day, maybe from Jessica's time. So it's a, it's a hymn I recognize. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's some of the pronunciations are old timey, but you, yeah, you definitely recognize it. I'll come up with a name for it. I'll, I'll <laughs> drop it in here later. Um, and, and as you come around it kind of the bottom of the steps, the landing, kind of rounds around and you see this kind of reddish glow of, of torches and you hear four nuns singing the hymn in there. I'm like really confused now. Um, so I kind of hurry my steps a little more to try to get down to the bottom and see what's going on. Cool. You get to the bottom and as you look around the corner, you see it's an ancient prayer closet, basically just a little round room with uh, like kneeling pillows and uh, there's uh, some tapestries that kind of show, uh, well, you've s- actually you've seen these tapestries in the kind of museum part of the, the castle. 
uh, but they're all faded and shit. And here they're like, they were just painted. And you recognize these women. There's uh, four women and they're from different periods of time. They're other Jessicari. And you realize that they're the, the kind of mother superior of uh, the Jessicari going all the way back to the early days. I don't have their names at hand, but I'll say the oldest one is, uh, is a lady named Lucretia. Are these people supposed to be dead? Oh, or? yeah, long dead. Uh, but they look vibrant and alive uh, in the prime of their life. Lucretia is a, a woman with like reddish-black hair and a mole on the left cheek, uh, really piercing brown eyes, and, uh, and she's got a scar... One of those cool sword scars that's like the top and below the eye socket. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and she immediately catches sight of you and the, the hymn stops. And she puts out both of her hands like, quickly, come to us. So Shana, Shana's never seen anything this fantastic before. Like The only thing close to this was when um, she got her magic hairpin. Mm-hmm. She still doesn't really understand like how... That whole how that whole thing went down, so she's very very creeped out, and she's she so she uh, instinctively like reaches into her pocket to make sure that she has a hold of her dagger in case she needs it. Nice. Um, but then she she kind of sees um, Lucretia and like kind of recognizes um, who this person is based on you know she's read tons of books and seen paintings of this person, and so she so Shana suddenly just goes are 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 you she doesn't speak. She just uh, reaches out to take your hands, and the other three uh, kind of step out to uh, allow you to enter their circle. So as the other three move, and uh, the this stranger like reaches out her hand, like um, Shana is immediately assumes like a fighting stance and like whips out her her knife and kind of like backs off with them. so Ooh. to put distance between them. She she has no she has no idea what's going on right now. Nice. Oh, so yeah. then all of a sudden, they all fall into a martial pose, and you realize they're following your move with the next step in the standard kata. And so, like, Amsan comes forward with a with a, a like a faint move with her left hand, uh, right hand on her dagger. Dial uh, goes down into a sort of a half crouch and ready to pull the dagger to throw it. Coin is pulling the dagger out to like about to throw it. And then Lucretia is all the way back in a kind of uh, one leg up, uh, back arched, right hand all the way back, like right before the throw and ready to dodge and roll if if, uh, gets preempted. And then boom, there's a flash and there's just like pixie dust all around you. And they're gone. And the tapestries crumble and fall to the ground. And behind them is a little sort of slightly ajar wooden door. You hear water kind of rippling. And you see a sort of bluish glow emanating through the open door. Sean is totally freaked out by what just happened. Like when all that stuff went down, like uh, she was like, she couldn't replicate the moves as quickly as everyone else was, but she was kind of like almost prepared to fight. And then when everything kind of blew up into pixie dust and confetti, she, she's, she's just completely flabbergasted. 
she's slowly she's the knife back in her sleeve and is kind of kind of like uh tries to like peer towards uh that blue light and kind of can tell she can't see anything more and so so then she like reluctantly walks towards it cool so as you walk across the center of the round room you see the pillows the kneeling pillows have like crumbled into strips of fabric there's like some chewed up junk in the corner maybe a, a rat like chewed up a piece of wood like it's clearly this is a real room that's just been sort of empty forever and as you come to that door as as you get closer to it it opens farther inward and you see in there is a, a room maybe about twice the width maybe 10 15 feet wide and it's also round and it's got a a, a low kind of wall a rounded stone wall sort of a natural well shape and that's where all the bluish glow is coming out of so she steps towards the well and uh she turns her head back to make sure no one's behind her and then she looks over the well okay so you come up to the well and the 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 wall the well's maybe a foot tall and you see that uh this is the place where where nuns of jessica's time they were these kind of places where women would come to commune with Diamant, talk about women things and, and, uh, and pray and, and uh, do all that important stuff. And uh, it's believed that it was just such a place like this where Jessica's soul was uh, sort of commended to heaven or whatever. They brought her body down there and, and bathed it. And that in that way, her, her soul was delivered to Diamant. And as you come close enough, you realize that there's something floating in the water. And the hymn, the hymn is now sort of singing in the back of your mind, as if those women have reappeared somewhere in your brain and are singing again. So she leans in closer to see what's in the well. Okay, and you see clearly a woman is floating underwater and her dress is swirling about and she looks like she's been sleeping maybe. Her hair is all swirling around, all anime. So, so she um, shrieks like, and covers her mouth because that's just freaky. <laughs> okay, you start to shriek and you realize no sound comes out. I mean, this is just such an unreal moment. So when she realizes that her voice doesn't work, she starts like, she starts like, patting her own face and she can't she's she's, she's so confused okay yeah it's jessica and jessica starts to rise out of the water and as she does so the the blue glow sort of paints her body and you see she's got a white uh funeral dress on and um you can see all the wounds where she was hastily sewn together before her funeral there's a nasty gash on the right collarbone. Shana kind of like whispers to herself, uh, I see dead people. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So yeah, so Jessica, she rises to her full six feet of height, maybe, to the point where her feet even come out of the water. Um, so she's looking down at you, maybe a few inches above you. And, uh, and she smiles and you see her wounds are healed. It's not like icky, bloody, zombie shit. But you can still see the, 
the like thread where her wounds were tied together. You'd think she was like a animated corpse, except there's a, a warmth, like a pinky glow to her skin. It's almost as if she she was resurrected. And she opens her mouth and she starts to speak. And as she does, like all your fear just goes away and you and you're just standing there basically in the presence of your idol, your your hero from childhood. And she says, Princess, it's good to meet you. Thank you for coming. Um, um, so Sean say, um, is this real? It's good to meet you too, <laughs> just, 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 Jessica. Okay, let's Saint do Jessica, a- and, and, and then she gets very, very. She she recognized. She just she just said um her name with just first name with no like pretense. She's like Saint Saint Jessica. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so rude. That was so rude. Saint <laughs> Jessica. Okay, so we're gonna do a flip. It's gonna be presence and empathy. And this is okay. sort of like a fear check, basically. Mm-hmm. So your your presence is three, and your empathy, you don't have it, so it'll be three plus one for health. So y'all get four four cards. So. so four, a seven, a seven, one success. So basically, you're quakening your boots. You're not like demon scared, but more like, yeah, embarrassed, scared, like... Like she's gonna say the wrong thing. (laughs) Like this this woman is is the closest thing to God for you because you're not a priest or a or a paladin or anything. Like Mm -hmm. she's the the closest you'll get. You're not really religious exactly, I don't think, are you? Mm, Not not quite. She I mean she's she's religious in the sense that she likes the order. Yeah. Um, that's about it. She it, she more idolizes she idolized Jessica as like a like a historic like role model as opposed to like an actual deity, which is also why she's super nervous and quaking in her boots right now because she's like, what gotcha. the hell is going on? Yeah. So uh, she she reaches out and she touches your hand and draws you a little bit closer, and she says, "You're so beautiful and so brave." I'm She's glad like, that I was able to. Sean's like, to. Uh, I, I, I wish the other princess would say that. <laughs> she says, I, I'm glad you uh, stuck with your training so that I'm able to meet you in this way. Do you know much about our order? Um, <laughs> she's like super nervous. She's like, oh yeah, yeah. I've read, I've read all the, I've read all the scripture. I've, I've done all, the, I've, I've memorized all the hymns. I, and she's sort of listing off like all the things that she's learned. So you, you're going into like the great achievements of Lucretia and Amsan exactly. and the other yeah. heroes. She's just like trying her hardest to just you know like make sure she hits every single point. <laughs> Jessica just listens and smiles and and she just kind of humors you it seems like until finally you realize you're just blathering and she squeezes your hand again and she says I don't know why this is happening but something is affecting our world that goes beyond our world Diamant is powerless to solve this problem which means that we as his emissaries 
are powerless to solve it as well. Only a brave hero who is willing to step outside of our very world. Only one who is willing to give away everything that they have. Only that person could possibly save us now. I so did not want to do this, Shana. And if, if I must, I will choose another. But know that I have chosen you. So Shana's like, M -m me? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a hero. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just a soldier. I, I, I need to go back to the procession. I need to find a husband or else, or else, or else, the, or else mom and dad will, will, will never like a look at me. <laughs> She steps over the lip of the well and like her wet feet hit the ground and you can, I mean, you can feel her warmth now. Like she is a living being and she stands beside you and then she points into the water and you realize that in the water you can see scenes and it's fucked up. <laughs> like you're seeing the queen burned alive. You're seeing the keep crumbling as like soldiers are yanking it down with ropes and grappling hooks. You see your brother uh, naked in a cage being dragged somewhere. You see your horse melting into a swamp. You see just things getting weirder and weirder. Tentacle monsters coming out of the shadows, eating up civilians, children running from scary like orc-like creatures. I mean, it's just, it's one terrible thing after another. Yeah, so Shana, like initially she had thought that like all, all this stuff was happening was something that particularly like a, like one of their enemy kingdoms was doing to them. And then she starts seeing all the orcs and the tentacles and she, she's totally confused. She's like, that's nothing she's ever seen before. She, she goes, what is this? That is the future. And she points right at it. And, and she looks as shocked as you are, as if like, she's never predicted the future before. Like it's, it's, it's that serious. So Shana's like, oh my God, we, we need to tell dad, we need to tell the king. There's no time. So what do you mean there's no time? This is going to happen very soon. Like tomorrow? I can't say for certain, but I know that Half of the people in that party outside the castle right now will be dead within the week. Unless someone goes into this other world and saves ours. Shana kind of gulps um, and she grips like the knife that she was given tightly. And she says, I don't know if I can, but as a soldier of the Delane army, it's my duty to defend my kingdom. So... Where do I go? She uh, waves her hand from right to left and the waters like ripple and the horrible scenes kind of fade away. And then light swirls up, kind of the same light when the ladies burst apart into confetti. <laughs> like it comes up out of the water and you see it's like a, a narrow tree growing out and golden leaves appearing on it. And then behind it appears a door and it's like a silver filigree door just kind of appearing out of nowhere and she says there in the grove of the fallen mothers there you will enter this other world 
the world in which our fate and the fate of all worlds hangs in the balance. And she reaches into her robe and she pulls out this long silver key on a, on a red ribbon and she hands it to you. And she says, this will allow you to open that door. Go, return to your quarters. Write letters of goodbye to those you love. And get whatever equipment you think you will need. And go to the grove. And go through the door. So Shana's kind of like tearing a little and teary-eyed a little. And she says, St. Jessica, I've believed in you all my life. It's like, believe in me now that I will do everything I can to make sure that this does not happen to our kingdom. And then she can't say goodbye because it's a little too hard for her. So she just swipes the key from her hand and she just runs up the stairs. Okay, as you start to turn to go, she grabs you and huddles you close to her. And as as loving and warm yeah. as Shana's Sister Bardeen, like crying now like <laughs> crying. As warm and as loving as Sister Bardeen has always been, she's always been hard. You know, she's a yeah. warrior. She's a, mm-hmm. a a crusty old lady. This is a woman not much older than you. You know, just a, a hale young like uh, she 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 could have been a mother, and she's just like it, it's like hugging the mother you never had. And she kisses the top of your head and she says, there's no one I would trust more for this duty than you, Shana. Go through the door, find the beam, and restore our world. So Shana's just like crying. She has no words. (laughs) All of a sudden your arms are empty and uh, the, the skin that was, you were crying onto is, is, is off of your cheek now as your eyes open. The, the room is completely dark. And the only light source is coming from like up the stairs uh, through the door. Everything in here is dark now. So she kind of like lets herself catch her, catch her breath a little more. But uh, she kind of like forcefully like you know, like pushes the tears back and then she gets on her feet and it's kind of dim. So like she makes sure she has a good footing. She feels her, she feels her like a pocket, the dagger's still there, the key's still in her hand and she's ready to go and she, she runs up the stairs. Nice. Yeah. Okay. You, you run up the stairs and the, the torches that were all well lit on your way down are, are like on their dying last legs, you know? And as you go up, you realize there's like uh, more detritus on the steps, like ro- dead roaches and like rat poop. And, and it's like no one has ever been here. And the torches are all burnt down to nothing. You get to the top of the landing and there's that, that same little door that you came through, uh, ordinary old door. And uh, you start to burst through it and you realize your face is still like your makeup's messed up. You're covered with tears uh, you look a fright. What does she see when she looks up? Well, I mean, you're at the door. You're about ready to go back out onto the oh, oh, onto the Shana courtyard. She, she, like at this point, she does not care. She's like, she just okay. saw a, she cool. just saw like <laughs> so you basically burst through Bruce the door. Lee come back to life, and she's you like, burst through it? the door, yeah. and uh, and you realize it's like nothing has changed. That it started to rain a little bit, but other than that, everything's just the same as it was. Uh, your brother is up right by the king and queen, and uh, the line has gotten a lot shorter. 
if you were to say hi to the king and queen, like now would be your shot. So Otherwise, Shana, Shana uh, sees all of them. She sees all the royalty. Like her stomach kind of drops because she knows uh, what's on her face. It's all messed up. But like she just, she makes like a straight line towards her room because she ne- she knows she needs her hairpin and she needs her handkerchief and she needs to get in her uh, in her armor and she needs to go. Okay, so nice. Yeah. You break off to the left to run to uh, the uh, the women's quarters, and. Uh, you you know you just have to go out through the open for about 20 yards or so and then you can get into another shadowy spot behind some trees and boom Tobin's right there and he's like right in front of you and he stumbles backwards and and he looks so dumb and so obnoxious and you just want to slap him but he's also cute and he really likes you and now you're super embarrassed because you're covered with tears and uh, and and he grabs your arms and he's like, Shauna, Shauna, what, what's wrong? What's what's troubling you? So Shauna, uh, she tries to get a word out and then realizes like there's no time, so she doesn't say anything. Instead, so she just like grabs his wrist and just pulls him along. Okay, yeah. he's following you along, and he's like grabbing his handkerchief out of his uh, out of his uh, uh, I don't know his coat or whatever, and, and he starts to daub at your cheeks as you go. <laughs> and she she kind of like swipes his, his hand away she's like stop that <laughs> okay so uh cut we get to your room you're packing your your gear and he's helping you um and he's like where are we going what's happening shauna's like we we have two weeks i think two weeks two weeks and the world is over and she's just like kind of like blabbling nonsense and just like <laughs> he bursts out laughing he's it. like yeah. wait, wait what the world's over so, yeah, there's going to be, like, orcs and zombies, and, and there's tentacles everywhere. Shauna, what's really going on? Is it, he, he looks around all furtively, and he like he's trying to figure out how to say it, and he puts his hands up to his, his lips, and he says, Is this the, uh, the moon-related thing? And he kind of waves in your general pelvic direction. <laughs> So like Shine's like having like none of that shit. So she just like grabs his sleeves and like brings his face up to hers. So like she, like she has like she's very aggressive out. She's like, yes, it's the moon related thing. I saw Saint Jessica. She was alive, alive. You hear me? Dead his woman eyes are just wide from, as hell. He's yeah, like, so what? dead woman from hundreds of years ago. She was alive, and she told me that the world is ending. This has never happened before. The last time this happened, I'll he runs to the door and he like makes sure it's closed and he's looking around. He goes to the window. He's make sure nobody's listening in, and he says, "Shauna, I, 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 princess, perhaps we should tell the queen of what you've experienced." And um, so, Shauna kind of like looks down the floor, and like her lips kind of quiver. She's like, "There's no time." Like what I saw, within just a, within just a few more days. Okay, the there's snot like dead. pouring out of your nose. Yeah, <laughs> you realize that you just never wiped, and he's yeah. still holding that handkerchief. It's this uh, nice bluish, silvery, whitish thing that she, she slaps him that he's again. A, <laughs> what's like, that? that? She she slaps his hand away and it's like, get the handkerchief out of my face. Oh no, he's not. He's just holding it. He's not oh, trying to give okay. it to you. But you realize okay. you could use one. Okay, um, I don't use one. <laughs> Okay, he kind of like like half folds it, and then all of a sudden, 
you hear like a chime and like gears clicking and you realize the same imagery on his handkerchief is some of the same imagery from the, the tapestry that was in front of the door that you entered into the inner sanctum before it like crumbled and fell apart. And it's a scene from, uh, from uh, an epic battle, a time immemorial. So you realize you're like, holy shit, and you grab it away from him. And, and at the center of the handkerchief, just like at the center of the tapestry, is that tall, skinny tree with golden leaves and the silver door behind it. Shana just started screaming. She's like, Tobin, this is it. This is it. This is it. We need to get to here. We need to go there. Uh, he like, he's like, uh, my handkerchief? It's like, no, what's on the handkerchief, you dummy? Oh, 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 She like shoves his head up the Oh, yeah, that's the grove of the fallen mothers. Sure, sure, yeah, yeah, I know where that is. <laughs> uh, Shana kind of looks at him like in crush, like, you know where that is? It's like, why did you say earlier, let's go? Yeah, I grew up like right across the road. My family... They're the caretakers of the grove. So, so Shana's you like, know this. We, Shana's like climbing out the window. Do you not she's listen like, let's to anything go. I say? She's, she's, she's climbing out the window. She's like, let's go. <laughs> okay. He grabs me. He's like, you, no, you're not going out the window. I'll get the horse. And he, and he goes off and he, he gets the horse. So <laughs> okay. smash cut to you guys arriving at the grove. His mom's there like at the edge because apparently they're the caretakers of the grove. <laughs> and she's got like a, a pitcher of tea and she, she hands you some iced tea and, uh, and the, the sun has come out and um, yeah, you realize that there is totally a skinny sapling with golden leaves in the middle of the grove. And uh, so and Sean's you, like sipping the tea and Sean's like, wow, Tobin, your mom's really nice. Like, how come you didn't get any of that? <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's speechless. And, uh, his mom laughs and she says, you know, I always thought you two would make the cutest couple. Shana's like, I can't, uh, oh, 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 yeah. She like kind of laughs it off and in her, cause she's trying to be polite, but in her brain, she's like, there's no way I'd ever marry a commoner. So it's a super awkward yeah. anime moment. Yeah. It's like when, when their faces turn kind of like blue and like you know it's like, ah, <laughs> and like big sweat bees come down and you realize that it, there must it must not be coincidental that his last name is stod and jessica's of stroud that maybe they're related in some way and you, and you feel like everything is starting to like like little coincidences are starting to to sink into place you realize she has like a lucky rabbit's foot on a table that you remember uh, your father like giving to his father uh, when he retired and like his father, as soon as he got it, won a hand of cards at a poker game and got enough money to buy this nice house. And like, it's just a bunch of little things like that are lining up and you realize like, apparently everything has been leading to this moment for you to be right there. And that's all. It's all kind of like a sixth sense kind of thing, where it's like, like a deja vu thing. Bruce Willis yeah. is like putting all the clues together. <laughs> it's that sort of situation. And the whole time, Tobin's just staring at you awkwardly, like I, I, I'm just a squire. Like I know we can't ever date or whatever. Jeez, <laughs> mom, you're really embarrassing me. <laughs> yeah. And uh, 
And then you look, you see out of the corner of your eye a bunch of like, like, like movement and almost a choir of angels. And you see the, the, the leaves on that skinny sapling all of a sudden are blooming and that these golden leaves are stretching out and growing and the tree is growing and a silver door is rising out of the earth behind it. Sean doesn't even like acknowledge that Tobin is like babbling. She just kind of gets up and starts walking, like kind of mesmerized towards the door. Okay. He, he grabs his Bible and a, and a backpack and he throws it on and he kisses his mom's cheek and he, and he grabs whatever other provisions and he follows you out there and he grabs the horse's bridle and he follows you towards the, the tree. And as you get to the tree, the door has... Shana has, doesn't know he's back. He, she, 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 she's not even paying attention to him. Nice. <laughs> so as you get to the, the, the door, the, the, the door has finally risen and it's, and it's just the most like elegant kind of silvery sort of almost like it was spun like by a spider or something. And it's just the frame of a door and a sort of like a shimmering bluish silvery skin and a little golden plaque on the front and uh, some lettering on it in, in there. It's a word and like letters you can sort of understand, but it's, it's off. It's not quite right. So I'm going to have you do a flip. It's almost like you're, someone wrote a word in your language that you should be able to read, but you can't yeah, so quite Sean's read like it. squinting at it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you realize that Tobin is leaning over your left shoulder and reading it out loud. Uh, let's see. We'll do a flip. It's going to be... And she um, she kind of like... She puts her hand on his cheek and like pushes his head away. And she's, she's like, stop, I can't see it. <laughs> okay, so this would be a, a languages intelligence flip. So uh, you basically just get two cards. So uh, no success, no successes. Okay, so she like, she, she like shoves Tobin's face out of the way mm-hmm. so she can get a closer look. And then she goes, I can't read it. Tobin, what does it say? He says... The maiden. And he looks at you and his head is like a few inches away from you. So your eyes both like meet and like his eyes are wide. He's like the maiden. What does that mean? And, and then that probably makes him think of your moon related pelvic area. Cause he looks down there <laughs> and then he like kind of yeah, so, stiffens uh, up so and leans back a little bit. What does that mean? He looks down at like Shana's waist and Shana like immediately slaps him. Yeah, it's like a really hard slap, too, because Sean is pretty strong. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and he kind of stumbles back a little bit. The horse whinnies. And, uh, yeah, there's a door with a, a, a beautiful kind of silvery handle. One of those uh, lever types that you, you turn on one side to open. Sean uh, <laughs> doesn't even like, check to see if Tobin's okay. Uh, she just goes and she opens the door. <laughs> nice. You open the door and through it, it's like a totally different reality. Through the door, it's like a, it's not overcast. It's not raining. It's, it's daytime. The sun's kind of like low in the sky, like it's later in the day. So Shannon kind of like turns her head back like she can't believe what's in front of her. She turns it's- her head back to see if like... Tobin and like the the world she's in is like still behind her, and she like Tobin's, turns back. She like does like a double take. She like what is, 
like just to, trying to nice. ground herself. Yeah. Tobin's dabbing at his his cheek where it's like reddening up, and he's using the handkerchief, <laughs> and so he's not quite looking at you. And uh, yeah, that's silver door through it. It's it's like all shades of tans and browns, and and down to the ground is almost white. Uh, but you hear sounds of like civilization, like maybe a town or a village kind of around the edges of the door out of your view. And, and then you see a weird kind of spindly bush come in out of frame from the right and kind of spin, slowly hit the ground, pop up. You hear a wind rustle and you realize it's some kind of plant material, but round. And then it floats off to frame like off to the left. You hear a kid laughing sort of almost like behind you, but there's nobody else in this grove but the two of you and the horse. Shannon's like pretty confused right now. Um, the thing that just like floated off to the left, she's gonna kind of like, she's looking around making sure that like she has clear view of sight around everything. There's nothing that could be like hiding anywhere around her. Um, so she's on, on guard. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she sees the, the little like plant-like material floating off. And she kind of like uh, starts to follow it slowly. Okay. Tobin pushes past you. Like more presumptuous thing than he's ever done your entire lives together. He just pushes right past you as if like he's protecting you from a giant. Hands you the handkerchief and goes through the door with his left hand up like coming into a fist. Like he's just decided to be your hero. And the horse whinnies again behind you. So she freaks out. She's like, Tobin, what are you doing? You're going to get killed. And she like chases after her. <laughs> okay. You both go through and uh, suddenly you're in another world. You look around. It's, it's a dusty, deserty kind of landscape. Uh, now, this is going to be full fish out of water. You're not going to relate to any of this. So mm-hmm. I'll just describe it for the listener. This is like an Old West ghost town. The clapboard fucking buildings, the wooden sidewalks, a little well with the, you know, the, the waggly lever, random dog with no tag running by. Uh, there's some crows cawing in the distance. And as you come around, he turns off to the left because he too heard the noises. And you realize that you're like out next to some kind of uh, cattle pen and beyond it is an opening through two, between two tall buildings into a town square. But no town square like anything you've ever seen. It's like literally like an old school, old west town. And people are milling about. And there's some kids kicking a ball around. And that's the noises you were hearing. And then you see your horse nudging its way through the door. Except from this side of the door... There's no door. It's just a rectangular opening in space so like through which you can see your own world. Uh, so the horse, does the horse have a name? Desdemona. Desdemona? So the horse is like trying to squeeze, Desdemona's like trying to squeeze through like this guy kind of like, yeah, I think it's like probably like human sized portal, right? And then mm-hmm. the horse is having a hard time. And yeah, it might be a little it, narrow for Desdemona, but she's a pretty yeah. skinny horse, and she just yeah. and yeah. she just fucking walks right through. Yeah, so. 
Sean gets a little concerned. She's fucking like, "Fucking Tobin is all over you. He's grabbed you. He's like freaking out. He's he's completely lost his shit." Yeah, so and somehow Shana you're totally checks, chill. checks on Desmond to make sure like Desmond is okay. She's not really checking on Tobin. She's just like patting down. Like she doesn't want um, Desmond to freak out because they're in a complete new environment. So she's mm-hmm. kind of like like wooing her and uh, sign, like calming the horse down. Nice. So one of one of uh, uh, Tobin had stuck an extra saddlebag full of random stuff. You're not sure what was in it. He had packed it while you were talking to his mom. And it just falls off the back of the horse as the horse comes through and whoosh, the door shuts and disappears. And you can see the whole horse and the whole like flat featureless landscape behind it. And somewhere off in the distance, you hear a flute go. <laughs> and that's it. Uh, so Sean's like, <laughs> shit, we can't go back. <laughs> Welcome to the town of Delane, in the eastern barony of Midworld. Does someone say that? No. <laughs> oh, okay. Because if someone said that, Sean would be like, what do you mean town? Like, <laughs> Delane's my kingdom. <laughs> and then uh, you hear Jessica's voice in your mind. She says, well, child, you've made it. Unfortunately... You have to look after Tobin. <laughs> Sean is like, it's not my fault. He 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 walked in. I didn't like. The, I didn't. I didn't want him here. I don't know why he's here. <laughs> and he he like grabs the handkerchief out of your hand and he starts to like wipe at his face and you realize he's crying. And then she says, "Don't lose track of that handkerchief. It's very special." <laughs> and then Shana just like snatches the handkerchief out of uh tobin's hand like while he's trying to wipe his ear and he like smacks him on the back of the head like don't do that you're gonna ruin the handkerchief it's a very important handkerchief (laughs) all right well that is our backstory episode for shauna delane (laughs) thank you eugene it's it's been a great pleasure having you and i hope to uh include you in the broader campaign real soon definitely this is fun yeah. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah. Right on. What do you think so far? I like it. It's a. Uh, I, I think we did a good job of making it a little bit goofier. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is great. You know. Yeah, it's fun because you're yeah. coming. You're basically coming from a world. It's still a Stephen mm-hmm. King property, but it's like his kids' book. Yeah. So it's fun that it'll uh, yeah. it'll be a little more moral, a little less uh, crass or or dark. It'll be a little more like lighthearted at times. It'll be good energy to mix with some of the, some of the other people. Like Chase's character Hezekiah comes from the Gunslinger series, so he's like about as dark as it gets. Yeah, so I I, I kind of noticed that because like I like what I've known about Dark Towers that it's very it's like a very dark series, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and then like when I was listening to the audio book for, I like eyes of the dragon i was like dude this is basically like a kid's story yeah yeah it's the closest thing unless maybe if you consider the talisman with peter straub uh stephen king's other sort of like dimension hopping kids book Mm -hmm. uh it's yeah those two are probably his most kid-friendly works yeah and and i think that's kind of great because it's like the character like She's going to, I feel like um, what's going to be exciting is like when she has to face a lot of like moral decisions um, 
that aren't black and white like in her kingdom it's so obvious like she's the good guy and everyone else is the bad guy right and yeah like, that's it there's there's no difference right and it's like putting her into like more amb- ambiguous situations i think and especially like now like she has like this sacred charge on her like she's heard voices like she met jessica and so she's gonna be even more feels like like she's like she has a more of a um more of a reason to feel like that whatever she does is like righteous right and then like she's gonna have to like learn a hard license lesson that like you know not everything she does might be righteous if she doesn't like consider other people's perspective first right that's cool that's kind of why i uh i uh what's it called when you're have you been a dm in an rpg uh, I haven't. Okay, well, there's a thing like where you're, because a lot of it is improv, right? Like, I haven't yeah. written all this out. So at the last mm-hmm. second, I'm like, oh man, Shauna is our paladin. Like, if this is a D&D campaign, and I'm like, mm-hmm. every paladin needs a henchman, right? <laughs> yeah. Someone yeah. that they have to protect, keep from getting killed all the time. And I'm like, yeah. well, he's right there. <laughs> yeah, I, I was like, I wrote Tobin into the backstory uh, as a, like someone, because it's like, oh, like, Royalty always has a retainer. I wasn't expecting retainer, him to like, tackle all. Yeah. I was like, "Oh man, now this is gonna be like a huge liability. That's gonna be like really interesting." <laughs> yeah, and well, you're like you're you're gonna have Jessica in your ear, kind of like helping you keep it together. Sort of, uh, she's like your Al to your Sam in Quantum Leap, so you won't like be a complete bumbling moron in this weird world. But like, mm-hmm. he has no training whatsoever. Yeah, in being I mean, they're chill. Both, they're both. It's like it's like if um, if people from like medieval times just like ended up here in our world today, they would just freak out, mm-hmm. right? They'd be so confused, right? Yeah. Um, I guess I mean it's a Western setting, so there's not that much te- as much technology, but still like there's I feel like guns, the second she sees there's yeah, when robots. she sees a gun, she's gonna like <laughs> she's gonna like point the muzzle at her eye and be like, what what is this? You know. Like, <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Well, I'm excited. Yeah. I can't wait. Uh, we're playing this Sunday, but that might be too soon for you. But uh, uh, either uh, way, we'll... What, what time? Uh, 10 a.m. till 1-ish. 10 to 1. At the I latest. think I can do Some that. people th- will drop off earlier, but yeah, 10 to yeah, 1 is our I think window. I can do that. Um, oh, sweet. I, I want to make sure, because like, sometimes my roommates are sleeping in the morning, so I don't want to like uh, wake them up. Oh, okay. But uh, yep. I could probably... Um, but then if I go to a coffee shop, then it's going to be loud. Um, but yeah, but it's sh- like, it should work for me. Sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, and if it's not this week, uh, maybe next month, we'll, we'll probably do like a group episode at least once a month and then we'll mm-hmm. kind of fit in. If once you start reading the books, you'll realize that like the party splits up all the time. It's like the anti RPG. So, mm-hmm. so we'll Makes have sense. a lot of opportunities for smaller groups and, and things like that. Okay. Sounds good. Cool. And even one-on-one, I mean, a paladin, like, you know, with a, with a retainer, like, it's perfect for one-on-one, so. Yeah. Okay, yeah. man. Thank you throw, so much. Throw more silly situations at, at them and, and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, this is great. Thank you so much. Uh, it's great meeting you. And um, tell folks, once again, your podcast, uh, New World yes. Sonata. New World Sonata. Yeah, just check it out. Check us out on uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, wherever. Do you guys you have a podcasts. website? And if you like sci-fi and fantasy, just check it out. Maybe you'll like the story. Take care of yourselves, guys. Uh, I'll do some wrap-up thing I haven't invented yet. Flavor text, blah, blah, blah. Uh, thanks, thanks for listening to The War for the Dark Tower. 
Uh, we'll catch you next episode. Bye. Hello? Hey, Jeff, you there?